Welcome to Behind Every Employer, where leaders in business and education from across the country share solutions for sourcing, training, and growing frontline talent to create the workforce of tomorrow. This broadcast is brought to you by the Coalition on Adult Basic Education. To learn more, check us out at www.coabe.org or any of your favorite podcast sites. Now, here are your hosts, Anson Green and Jeffrey Abramowitz. There you go. Hey, Edson, hey. how are you? Hey, I'm doing great. How's it going, Jeff? Great to it's, see you. It's good to see you. How's everything? You okay? Staying busy and, uh, you know, can't keep up with all the great stuff. And I'm, I'm really happy about the show we have today. Um, you know, we love to bring in our business community partners and our adult education and nonprofit partners to talk about uh, really strong partnerships they put together to help frontline workers and individuals in their respective areas to really build those foundational skills, but also really prepare for the future of work. And we've got some real rock stars today um, coming out of West Michigan. Uh, we have Kevin Voss, who works for uh, Corwell Health, and this is the largest employer in Michigan. So we're talking about a, a real heavy hitter there uh, in West Michigan. And uh, when I see uh, that kind of a presence from a business and then the fact that they're engaging with adult education and literacy, I get really excited. And that's why we wanted to bring them on today. He's uh, partnered here with his his uh, a great colleague out there at the Literacy Center of West Michigan, Wendy Falb. Wendy uh, is someone who, uh, if you're following social media or following what's going on in the nonprofit adult education sector, her name's always out there. And if there's a conference happening and I see her name on the agenda, that's the session I'm going to. So I'm real happy to have them out here today. And uh, it's going to be a really good session because we've gotten uh, just a lot of feedback uh, from both employers and from our educators really asking about like, what does it take to build these kind of partnerships and and what is the win for businesses how to how, how do the adult education community partners need to uh, kind of calibrate their approaches and i think we're going to learn a lot today from kevin and wendy so i'm real excited about that um any, anything you want to open up with any any t tidbits of information yeah it's too many um uh, for this show for a half hour 40 minutes but i yeah. do want to say this is that you know as I've, I've been doing work around the country and the one thing that's really clear is two things one that we have more jobs than we have people to fill them right yeah. now and two is that education certainly is going to hold the key for many people in the labor market that want to get not just a job but want to get that career and i'm really excited about our conversation today so coming uh doing living in in michigan for a bit of my life when i practice law i'm really um looking forward to hearing what's going on in the western part of the state so uh, let's get um, to it it's great it's great i know that that aspect i think is really driving business engagement i was in uh, maine recently and uh, in maine 28 percent of the population is 65 years or older these folks wow. are retiring uh, by the day and they need workers to fill and keep that economy in Maine going. That's the same story in a lot of states. And so um, I think uh, tapping into the immigrant and refugee populations and doing things that we see up there in uh, West Michigan um, is always going to be a great uh, recipe for others to follow. So uh, I'm going to begin here with Wendy and Kevin. I want to just talk to you both a little bit. We're so excited to have you on today. And I'll start with Kevin. Um, 
talk about Corwell Health. I want to kind of tell our listeners about what you guys do and uh, more specifically, like, how did you uh, start to uh, meet each other and, and get to, to get, get to going on this initiative? What was driving it at the company? Uh, well, thanks so much for having me, Anson and Jeff. Mm -hmm. um, I think first, let's just lay some groundwork around uh, this organization, Corwell Health, that I, I so proudly work for. Um, Corwell Health is a recent merger, about 14 months uh, into the making of two health systems in uh, the state of Michigan, uh, Spectrum Health, or the legacy Spectrum Health that is on the west side of, of Michigan, and Beaumont Health, or the legacy Beaumont Health on the east side. Uh, so we have joined together about 14 months ago uh, with a vision um, for Michigan, by Michigan, and uh, really proud to work at the organization. And, and now the greatest, or not the greatest, I'm sorry, that might be my opinion, but the <laughs> largest employer uh, in the state of Michigan. Um, so I've worked at the organization for, uh, it'll be 13 years coming up this fall. Um, it's easy to remember because it's my oldest child's birthday um, and it, it correlates with my start date or my interviews. So um, our presence or our organizations have always had a, a connection between the Literacy Center of West Michigan and the Legacy Spectrum Health. Um, Wendy, I, I think there's been a board member from Spectrum Health uh, on the board of the Literacy Center of West Michigan for many, many years. Uh, and I was getting into workforce development um, about six or seven years ago, um, really thinking about how do we create some job pathways, expanding kind of job families, and, and what does it look like to create ladders. Um, and uh, the connection to Wendy and meeting with the Literacy Center of West Michigan came up uh, just looking for another community partner that we could create a program around um, literacy and could it benefit our employees. Oh, fantastic. Uh, we can't wait to hear more about that today. Wendy, uh, tell us about the Literacy Center of West Michigan. I've been over there. Uh, I love what you guys do. Give us uh, and give our listeners really some uh, background on, on the organization itself, you know, nonprofit, you know, your size, all those kind of things. Uh, tell us what's going on up there. Thanks, Anson. And thanks, mm -hmm. Jeff, for the invite. It's great to be on here talking about this great partnership. And thank you for the gracious introduction. So, yeah, the Literacy Center is the largest community-based organization in the state of Michigan dedicated to adult literacy and education. And we instruct around a thousand individuals a year. And that is primarily ESL instruction, although we do yep. serve native speakers. So, the Literacy Center has a long history, and I'm really proud of this, that we have been very innovative and kind of cutting edge with adult ed because we have prioritized designing our programs to meet adult priorities. So whether that's bringing in money, navigating a healthcare situation, getting your driver's license, citizenship, supporting your kids, et cetera, we contextualize the curriculum we cite the programming where people are going to school, going to the doctor, where they're working, et cetera. And we challenge ourselves continually to get a feedback loop from the communities that we serve and design programs that remove barriers to needs in those communities. So as a result, we're really leading in citizenship classes and family literacy. We're in five school districts here in West Michigan. 
Um, but the employment piece, we have a long history going back to early 2000s of working with employers to do post-employment right. uh, work as well as working with the community colleges and others for doing pre-employment work. Oh, it's fantastic. So, so uh, I just love uh, that kind of spirit and philosophy that you're bringing to the table here for the employer community. Uh, and it definitely looks like Kevin's a beneficiary of that. Kevin, I want to kind of uh, turn back to you and talk about Corwell and, uh, and, and really you're in the health sector. This is a really competitive sector for, for individuals, for jobs, you know, individuals looking for work. There's a lot of choices. Uh, and uh, I, when I look at what companies are doing, oftentimes educational benefits are kind of a way businesses differentiate themselves from their competitors. I feel like you guys have a real enlightened view uh, of education and training. Uh, you even have like an educational stipend model, which I found real attractive and interesting. But to, uh, talk to us about how how did that start at the company? Like what drives it and how have the workers kind of been involved in helping you uh, kind of shape what those uh, course offerings and, and, and benefits need to be? Yeah. So Anson, um, I lead uh, for Corwell Health, the environmental services and nutrition services employees. Um, so it's it's a large team, but I, I love Wendy's um, need to meet adults uh, where their priorities are. And mm -hmm. we need to craft programming to meet where our employees' priorities are. So um, I, have, I have a team of approximately 4,000 employees. Um, and I, I will say two things about the, this employee uh, group. One, they're an incredibly talented workforce. So I don't ever want to um, uh, not lead with that because right. of the truth that's there. Right. Um, they also happen to be a traditionally high rate of turnover uh, and a population that um, I think everyone on this call knows uh, struggles with different barriers often associated with being in a lower social economic class. So when we were designing or thinking uh, of programming around uh, you know, uh, workforce development, we really looked at the structural components of uh, where are we offering our programming, right? Does it, does it require an additional bus trip back uh, to our facilities or to the place of education? When we're offering our programming and can we compensate uh, for learning? Uh, around that. So um, the the uh, program that we did with the West Michigan, the Literacy Center of West Michigan actually was on site during work hours that also provided comp on hourly compensation uh, for that programming. And that was a, yeah. a, a pilot that we did back in uh, 20, 2021. And we will do that moving forward with our programming Great. because we know that removing those traditional barriers uh, increases the success rate of the program. So right. uh, the other thing maybe that I would say is I think it's best practice for an organization to look at um, um, just the structural components of, of what they're doing around education. So um, I'm a huge advocate of uh, employers looking at the difference between tuition reimbursement versus tuition assistance. And I put that in, in somewhat of the same vein as uh, can we create a stipend model uh, for, mm -hmm. for employment, right? In many of my employees uh, are, are 
are not, the educational opportunities are not accessible to them if it is a tuition reimbursement model right? Uh, versus the, the tr uh, tuition assistance model. So I see um, a place that employers need to differentiate themselves and, and maybe I can land here mm -hmm. with providing education as a benefit. I would love, we're not there yet, but I would love for there to be a program at Corewell Health that um, Ten percent of your hours goes towards educational credit, where you are getting paid for that. So you work forty hours a week, but four hours of that 30, forty hours a week can be used and banked for uh, education, and not not only traditional post uh, secondary education, but um, be it uh, what you feel would help you bring your full self to work uh, moving forward. Um, whether that's interview prep or whether that's a trade certification or whether that's an associate's or bachelor's degree. I think we have to, we have to be a, a top employer, uh, think about um, education as a benefit and iterate and become more relevant and contemporary to meet our employees where their priorities are. Absolutely. I love this. It, it, it sounds, you know, you've got a, a very enlightened perspective in, in this space in terms of like very, very strong understanding of the workforce and the barriers that are going to keep them from accessing education. And I think that's the first step sometimes is the logistics. You know, I tell people sometimes in a workplace program, you know, getting getting the time and the place of the class situated uh, is half the battle. And, and once you get that, you know, things fall into place much, much more successfully. So really applaud those efforts. Wendy, I, all right, so so I, I want to turn things over to you and talk about the services. Uh, a lot of our listeners are very eager to see like, okay, uh, Kevin has really teed up this uh, incredible opportunity for uh, uh, many, many workers at the company. Uh, you probably wake up and go, man, I really need to deliver something here uh, that can meet those uh, demands. So tell us a little bit about, you know, the, your ESL services, uh, your your building an integrated education and training approach, a pre-apprenticeship type approach, um, because it's not just about that, that stability, the stability of, you know, the workforce, but really the growth and advancement of them. Tell us a little bit about what you're doing there uh, in terms of those services. Yeah, that's absolutely it. We've been doing this um, post-employment work, I think I said earlier, I mentioned it, it's since the mm -hmm. early 2000s. But right now with this tight labor market, um, we're seeing, you know, so much interest from employers, but it's, we're positioned well because we have a long history of partnering with employers and making sure we're a value add for their, not just investment with a small amount of dollars it costs for our training, but for the investment they're having their employees put in right. with the time. So we really work to, first of all, work with employers to identify pain points that are happening in the job and um, barriers that are happening right now as well as the employees and build our curriculum around that in our traditional sort of post-employment ESL. And um, what we found is it's a powerful retention tool yeah. and it's a powerful attraction tool because folks will start telling their brother, their uncle, their sister, yep. and they yep. want to come and work for that company. It's English language proficiency is identified by immigrants, both in West Michigan and elsewhere, as a huge priority and a number one barrier to so many aspects of their life. So if that's something that's happening at your job, then you are highly motivated to stay in yeah. that job. 
Um, and from a learning standpoint too, you know, if you do a very general curriculum, it's, language acquisition is difficult. Mm -hmm. But if you design it around your day-to-day -day life and the need to know in your day-to-day -day life as an adult, you're going to learn a lot more quickly. So from our adult education perspective, this work contextualized ESL is very powerful. Now, what we found uh, often is, you know, foremans or, or managers will come to our graduation class and the employees that they have will express their aspirations and their ideas and the confidence they've got. And it's very powerful and very moving. And people recognize that they have talent right there that they didn't right. realize and potential to upskill and fill positions that are empty higher up in the company. And uh, Kevin was one of those employers. We did work with some Ethiopian and Eritrean women that worked in environmental services. And uh, they brought so much of their whole self and their story after that program. And, and I give Kevin the credit. We started talking about how we could do an integrated education and training to help not only attract and retain uh, workers in environmental service, but to create a pathway of upskilling into mid-level healthcare positions, of which there is a huge need in most communities across the country, including ours. Oh, so I want to jump in here for a second, Anson, because mm -hmm. th these two, they've, they found the chapel. So they found the chapel. So the chapel is this place where there's this great marriage. And unfortunately, we don't have enough employers that are finding the chapel where the education resources are. And Wendy, um, big shout out to you on the IET. The yeah. IET programs, I do some work for the Department of Education, is just, a, it's such, it makes so much sense when you can contextualize learning and you guide them and, and really start teaching them things that Kevin needs for them to be successful at work. Um, it, it's so, so important. Um, I want to touch on something I think both of you kind of referred to, which is a retention piece. Mm -hmm. And, you know, a retention, Kevin, for you means keeping somebody at work and helping them advance with additional education. And retention for Wendy is really keeping them in classrooms. And if you can chip away at those barriers, it's so important. It seems that both of you have kind of found the secret sauce. Like, what's it take? So I'm going to ask you, like, what's it, what's it take? What are you guys doing right that employers and that educators across the country really need to be listening and watching so that they can learn from? Well, I can say that when I watch Kevin, what Kevin's done, um, I really, he's really make, gone out of his way to involve leadership throughout Corwell. So they've come to the Literacy Center, they've gotten a much deeper dive in what we do. And I think it's creating a level of vision across Corwell that, you know, often we work with employers, they, they, they have an interest in the work we do, it makes sense, but the contact person we have isn't able to make that decision or, you know, Pull the trigger. And so Kevin's really building awareness and advocacy for this work within Corwell. So it's it's really exciting. It truly, it's really exciting. And awesome. if I can just jump in, um, Wendy, I appreciate you saying that. I, I think we've toured over 10 senior leaders at, at Corwell Health through the Literacy Center, brought them on site where the education happens, got them to meet the program coordinators. And from from our division chief of primary care to our, our regional president, they asked questions that, that really were seeking to learn and, and understood the value of right. this. And in fact, um, 
some of, of our, uh, because of the contextualized learning, some of our, our physicians were like, isn't there some opportunity with health literacy? And, and those are active conversations that, that the Literacy Center and Corwell are taking on. I, I want to bring it back maybe to the IEP program because we are, um, we have a structure that we are, we are hoping to stand up uh, very soon. And frontline employees uh, have a high turnover rate. And in most uh, manufacturing or entry-level jobs, uh, that is only increasing. That's not getting better. Right. Right? So from my perspective, if I can have an employee that I invest in, that I, I then uh, know that feels a sense of purpose and has some level of dedication to, to perform, because we can help fund their employment into a middle skills like pharmacy tech role or medical mm -hmm. coder role, that's going to be a huge business benefit for me, yes. right? That I, I would rather have nine months of someone in an apprenticeship IET model and then help them move into the, the next level uh, job than not have that employee at all. Right. So a lot of it was getting gaining buy-in from my leadership that was doing the day-to-day -day management to understand the value of this, but also there was this buy-in from senior leadership to say, what is it costing us for not investing in our entry-level talent? And that that is that is a huge flip um, yes. from kind of the ROI behind doing this, and and there really is a, a strong business case behind doing this right now. Oh, I love all that. I mean, you know, the, the cost related, you know, the retention costs and the talent attraction costs, these things are all just getting taken off the table through uh, low or no cost services from Wendy's uh, organization. And, and that's a that's a that's a calculation that really moves up. And I'm so happy to hear you touring executives through and seeing this work. Wendy said something I want to pick up on, too. Um, we're talking about entry-level workers, by and large. Those are the workers that employers typically know the least about at hire. They don't collect a lot of information on them. It's a short interview. They get placed into a job. And sometimes, due to English skills, these individuals languish in those jobs for years. Um, it's, it's Wendy and her team and those teachers that also, while they're teaching English, are learning more and more about these workers and identifying individuals that have college degrees earned outside the U.S. Individuals that, you know, have been there four or five years and said, hey, you know, I, I'm ready to move up. I just didn't have the confidence or the English or both to do so. That's something that, you know, the business may never uncover because uh, that opportunity wasn't on the table. So, Kevin, I think this is uh, this th this is a uh, definitely uh, sending a great message about like these costs and these benefits of doing this uh, in terms of like uh, return on investment as you referenced and um, that advancement piece it can be very pricey itself and when you're growing someone that's tested they know the systems they've got tenure uh, you're really getting something that is a, a much higher value than someone maybe off the street that may or may not stay for a week and a half or a month. Uh, I, I want to shift gears a little bit, Kevin, and, and come to you uh, from an employer for an employer that's listening. 
uh, this this work might seem like a lot to take on, a huge thing to take on. Uh, what would your response to that be? So I, I would say don't let um, don't let your feelings get involved or paralyze you from doing something. Mm. There is there is small steps towards meaningful work to help your employees uh, develop. Um, so. I often will say it like this because this this question comes up uh, to me is that a pilot of three or four employees is just as meaningful as a pilot of 25 employees mm -hmm. because it gets your protocols and policies in place. So um, if, if I can frame, start small. Please don't be paralyzed by this, this fear that there's too much to do and, and you don't have the resources. And maybe the mm. second piece that I'll, I'll add to that is there's so many community partners, whether it's, it's the college and universities or community colleges or other organizations like, like the Literacy Center uh, that I guarantee you are, are um, eager to be your partner in this. Fantastic. I love that. I I, uh, I think, you know, sometimes I tell folks, you know, just getting through the first meeting and, and learning more about an organization like Wendy's is an accomplishment, you know, and figuring out what her objectives are and what her performance measures are. And she learns about you. Sometimes, as you're saying, people want to go for the big fish and they want to go for the 25 person class because maybe that's what they're used to on the other side of uh, the learning and development part of the organization but uh this is kind of new territory new relationships new partnerships and um sometimes just getting those foundational components put together as you said and starting small and uh managing those expectations at the beginning uh is is a really valid and and and, and solid first step and really essential uh wendy i want to turn things over to you um and, uh, and, and I'm hearing so much, it's very customized and very, very much focused in, 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 uh, on what Corwell needs and what Kevin uh, is talking to us about. And so I often think adult education, sometimes they find it hard to customize services to meet the needs of local businesses. You've really figured this out. So tell us a little bit about like how the Literacy Center of West Michigan has kind of built that culture as well as kind of the strategy for this? Well, we have some great team members at the Literacy Center that have been doing this mm. for quite a while. And uh, I'm give a shout out to Jennifer Summers. She's just a, a great curriculum writer and a great listener. And she's been in many business, many sectors, hospitality, healthcare, construction, a lot of manufacturing. And she loves her job because she loves getting to know about all these different businesses and they you know i'm a little jealous because i don't get in and see them so she'll be in you know egg farms she'll be in a very clean manufacturing setting she'll mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. be on the construction site but in that process is so key where you get that stakeholder interview where you're really listening carefully to again as i said where those pain points are where those needs are, where, um, and once you identify those, it's powerful from a learner standpoint because they're experiencing that stress of right. not knowing, not knowing the safety protocol, not knowing, you know, different things, and they are ready and eager to learn. And so, if your curriculum is based on that, um, or things they may not know, they don't know, like it could be HR, it could be accessing benefits, it could mm -hmm, be any mm -hmm. of those 
things. But from a from an adult learner standpoint, it's highly motivating to to unlock what this is about and be able to be in the driver's seat and ask questions and practice the conversation and be able to speak to your boss or whatever it might be. It's really, it's powerful work. And I think it's over the years, it's just motivated us more to make sure that we are not doing something off the shelf. We're not making assumptions about what people need to learn, or we really listen to the folks we're going to have in the class and the employers that we're working with. Fantastic. I want to jump in a second Mm because Wendy, you just struck a chord with me, which is really all about stories. So it's it's Mm -hmm. stories of your students and stories of Kevin's employees. Like, isn't that what it really comes down to? Could, you know, the fact that people, um, you know, come to the school and they see the graduations and they walk through and tour the facility and they learn the curriculum and and sometimes the the other way around where they're actually going to the, you know, to the, the other, to the employer and seeing what they're doing and understanding it better. It's the stories that we tell of our students and, and of our employers as well that really makes um, that change really significant in society. And um, kudos for both of you. I hope you're out there telling your story and, and sharing it. I know Anson and I are gonna, we're gonna get this out everywhere because we want people to really know yeah. about the great work that's being done um, in Michigan, but but even more importantly that, you know, telling that story of how an employer and um, a, an educational provider came together really to help, um, to help individuals uh, navigate their next career. So great Fantastic. job. I, I have one more question for Wendy because I, I get this one all the time. And so I want to hear from an expert, uh, a different, a different perspective here. So, so you've got these things, you know, these relationships with the different businesses happening. Corwell's a, 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 a really big one for you. Um, but people ask me, um, how do you find in th- the right instructor for this? Mm-hmm. Uh, not all instructors are cut out for this or the times or the location. There's, there's a lot of factors. And so as a leader, um, tell us a little bit about finding these instructors that you're really uh, kind of uh, anointing to go carry a really big uh, objective for uh, your, your organization. So tell us a little bit about finding the instructors, growing them. Well, we have such a great team and some great instructional leadership. Um, so mm-hmm. I think we've gotten a great reputation within the ESL uh, field. Because mm-hmm. um, we really work, uh, sometimes when you're in that position, you work in kind of isolation and it's kind of, you know, it's, it's pretty straightforward. Mm-hmm. And we really work as a team to support each other. And I think it's exciting and challenging work. We hear that often. It's interesting work. And, you know, that description I said about how exciting and gratifying it is for learners to kind of unlock those stresses, that's a powerful space to be in as an instructor. So I, you know, there's been a maybe a handful of times where we felt like there wasn't a good match between the instructor we had and the employer. But most of the time, um, we we have people that are ready to go. Scheduling can be a challenge. We've got some amazing amazing professionals that will be at 5 a.m. or after a third shift. And it's, it's, I, we owe so much to these educators because they are not in it for the money. They, they truly love what they do and will bend their schedule into a pretzel to meet the needs of people they know that can't meet at another time. So I really have a lot of gratitude for our growing team of instructors. 
Well, the subtext I heard in all this was uh, strong vision and leadership can, uh, begets uh, a powerful team that can deliver such things. That's just fantastic. I really applaud you for that. Kevin, uh, I, I want to turn back to you for a question here about um, address it like promoting and addressing the demand. You probably have not hundreds, but maybe thousands of people that could benefit from Wendy's services. How do you how do you tackle this inside in terms of promotion and building cohorts of students to benefit from services like this? It seems like uh, it would just be a fire hose of interest. Yeah. Um, well, the original pilot was focused on environmental services employees. So that was, that was essentially yep. the participation is that you had to be in that department. Uh -huh. As we are thinking about the next iteration of the pilot, we want to offer this as a system benefit, right? We don't we don't want to target it to just one department or two departments. There's there's five or six departments that could that could their employees could benefit significantly yeah. from this, um, and really our community would would benefit uh, so much. So we're having internal conversations around the structural pieces that I talked about, the time and the compensation and the location of the education, because when it all falls within my purview, I can actually help and influence that. When it all of a sudden is, is four or five different leaders purviews, it gets more challenging. It's the right work for us to do for our community. Mm -hmm. It shouldn't be challenging for us as an organization. So that's the work that we're doing right now is um, um, trying to figure out how we can do those logistical supports because we know those supports are meaningful and, and are successful, make, make a greater uh, completion success rate. Um, but we should be able to do this. We should be able to do it as a benefit and a differentiator in the community. Um, and hopefully we'll be, we'll be figuring out the logistics more and more as we move forward. Oh, fantastic. It warms my heart to hear both of you uh, talk this way because this is such a such a needed service out there uh, and a partner. These partnerships are so needed. So, uh, Ke uh, Jeff, we're ready to go to our lightning round. Wendy and, and Kevin, we're going to take a quick break and we're going to come back and, and you're going to charge our listeners with one thing they can do based on uh, your discussion today to go back and, and, and make some change like you guys are doing there in West Michigan. Sounds good. We'll be right back, everybody. You've been listening to Behind Every Employer with Anson Green and Jeffrey Abramowitz. It's one thing to talk the talk, but in the lightning round, which is coming up, we walk the walk with action steps. You can listen to Behind Every Employer podcast on YouTube, Spotify, or find us on your favorite podcast venue. We are All back right, with the ready? lightning round. Who's going to kick us off, Anson? Uh, let's, uh, Wendy, why don't you start uh, with, with something you'll charge uh, your, your, your uh, community of adult education and literacy providers with uh, uh, based on uh, what you're doing there with Corwell Health. Okay, well, I was, I was ready to just challenge the employers, but I will challenge the, the, the <laughs> literacy council. So I started asking those questions about how do you adapt your programs mm, to the needs of the yeah. people you serve. Be a, yeah. be a listener in those communities, and I guarantee you that getting a meaningful job and upskilling is going to be one of their priorities. So how do you help remove English language literacy and learning as a barrier to that aspiration? So oh, fantastic. You, charge. 
You got me. You got me charged up. I'm going to hear this one that you were going to tell charge the employers with. Now I can't let that one go by. Well, you know, there's a lot of talk about DEI and this mm. tight labor market yep. is really giving everybody religion. I mean, you, you yep. need a you need a talent stream, but diversifying your workforce will not only give you talent you didn't know exist. It will it will deepen the perspective within your organization and help you broaden your client base. I believe that to my core. So it's it's a win-win for an employer. There's great talent in your community. You just got to remove these barriers and you will access this talent. Absolutely, absolutely. And of course, in healthcare, you know, having uh, employees that uh, have the bicultural and bilingual skills of their residents and, and patients is critical uh, for the health of the organization. So I love that. Shout out, Wendy. Kevin, uh, what would you charge our audience with? Well, Wendy gave two. I thought that maybe would, would count for mine. But, sure. um, <laughs> but I'll, I'll say this. Um, because I like this framing, I would charge our audience with emphasizing human asset maximization. And I know those are big words, but we often as business leaders emphasize expense minimization. And that's, mm -hmm. that's not the right perspective in this work. We need to value our community members. We need to value our employees and try to maximize right, their human potential and bringing them full, their full selves to work. Maybe a more tangible action that I, I can I can charge is, um, in whatever organization you work for, go ask what the cost of turnover is in that in your organization, and then ask why and where does that come from. There are really good calculators out there. There are really good tools, but there are pros and cons to each of those tools. So in my organization, I can tell you my cost of turnover. But really, if I'm going to create an, an, an apprenticeship program, I should probably be thinking about the cost of turnover that I'm actually going to successfully transition that employee into as well. So don't just stop at knowing your cost of turnover. Really use that cost of turnover to help with human maximization and potential growth for your organization. I love that one. You you stole that one from me, Kevin. I, I, I think, you know, and that's one thing this conversation's really got me fired up about. You know, employers often think of this as like just a baked in cost, like there's the cost of doing business and it doesn't have to be. And um, I think the one thing that I would uh, charge the listeners with is the fact that um, what you've heard today from both Kevin and Wendy are... Um, how they've also uncovered these elements that uh, maybe Kevin would have never seen before uh, in his organization because uh, they're doing some different things and inviting new partners in that are learning a lot more about their employees and, and being able to uh, communicate that back to the company. And also building, uh, Wendy mentioned earlier, you know, when we get back to costs, there's this multiplier effect of of I'm, I'm going to go not only work for Corwell because they offer an ESL class, but I'm going to tell three people um, in my family and four people in my uh, my my running buddies and community that uh, this is a great place to work. Uh, out of all the places that are there, um, you can't put a price on uh, the recruitment component of this that Kevin doesn't have to lift a finger to do uh, because it becomes a, a cycle of just uh, talent coming in with good references 
um, uh, from individuals that already work there. So, Jeff, uh, let's get over to you. How are, what are you going to charge the group with here? Yeah, mine's an easy one because I think that you, you saw what happens when you bring people to the chapel. Like, you have a great marriage here between an, an educator and an employer, and I think we need to do more of it. But my charge is really something that Wendy hit upon, and, and Kevin did as well, which was that when we create these marriages, we should really do them with the eyes of our learners and with mm -hmm. the classes of our learners. We should be thinking about what the challenges they face every single day and how can we make life a little bit easier and remove them for them to help them be successful. And sometimes it's really thinking outside the box, like transportation, how they're going to get to work and you know how what clothing do they have to, that they can dress appropriately and what do they need to be successful, whether it's getting a bank account or identification or all those things that we often assume that men and women have when they enter the workforce. Uh, we should be asking those questions and we should be looking at, you know, what are the challenges that they have? So I appreciate that. But let's remove those barriers. It's going to make it a mm. world easier uh, for them to persist in class and to be really successful with the employer. So thank you both. You guys are, are awesome. Well, fantastic. Wendy and Kevin, I want to thank you. This has been uh, just an inspiring show, honestly, to be the word I choose tonight. And uh, and uh, I really love uh, hearing what you guys are doing there in West Michigan. Jeff, thanks so Great much stuff. for uh, getting us going here and uh, uh, really look forward to the future progress from both of you. You got it. All right, everybody. Thanks, everybody. Thanks so Take care. You've been listening to Behind Every Employer with Anson Green and Jeffrey Abramowitz. If you like the show, please follow us and tell your friends and colleagues. This broadcast has been brought to you by the Coalition on Adult Basic Education. You can find us at www.coape.org. You can listen to us on Spotify, YouTube, or on your favorite podcast site. If you'd like to be a guest on Behind Every Employer, please contact us at behindeveryemployer at coape.org.